Good morning. Welcome to worship today. at some point. So. <laughs> it's a, uh, what's it? That's right. <laughs> there, there we go. All right. Uh, it's, it's good to be back in Wisconsin. Some of you know that I was um, in Columbus, Ohio this week for the ELCA's church-wide assembly. That's the, every three years our church brings, has a national meeting um, with representatives from all over the country. Um, about a thousand of us representing our, our whole denomination is over three million people uh, and so they bring about a thousand of us together to make some of the decisions for um, the church-wide expression of our church um, and I'll probably be sharing more and there's going to be an official um, you know synod report out at some point too but just some of the highlights I was trying to jot down here um, we elected a new vice president which is the highest lay position um, in our uh, denomination, um, our first Asian American vice president, uh, Imran Siddiqui uh, from Georgia. Uh, we passed a memorial um, in support of the um, Land Back movement, which is a movement um, uh, asking churches and other people that own land that uh, is on native land um, to find ways to be in right and in better relationships with. Uh, with uh, our indigenous brothers and sisters. Um, we also voted to um, make some revisions to our sexuality statement, Gift and Trust, from 2009, including um, reviewing uh, some of the language in there about bound conscience. That's a whole big topic and can maybe go into it some other time, but uh, that, that was kind of a big deal. And finally, there was a, a vote to, uh, uh, in 2025, to consider restructuring the governance of the ELCA, so that's kind of a, a reconstitution um, gathering uh, to form a, a committee for the renewed Lutheran Church in America. So anyways, that's just a very, very brief thing. A lot more than that happened. I was telling someone before the church service, I thought we'd have at least evenings off, but they kept us busy morning to night. <laughs> I suppose if it's every three years, they want to get as much in as they can. So, um, so I'm glad to be back in my bed. <laughs> Just a couple of other um, miscellaneous updates. I heard from Nathan Houston, our seminarian at uh, LSTC in Chicago, um, and he's starting his internship this Tuesday at Edgebrook Lutheran Church, which is in the Chicago area. So please be praying for Nathan as he brings his, begins his internship. Uh, also wanted to say that um, Carolyn Schneider, our global missionary, is in the States right now. She's serving in Jamaica, but she's home for a little bit. Um, uh, I think I saw she was visiting Sue, her sister, uh, uh, down south recently, and she's going to be here next week, so you'll get to see Carolyn next Sunday. Um, and then finally, I wanted to say that, uh, uh, keep in front of us that we've got... Um, our service day for Lowell Elementary coming up. Uh, there's some more announcements in your bulletin about that. But after church today, 
we're going to have a meeting in the library to talk about the gift bags we're putting together for teachers that day. Um, so if you're able to stick around and, and uh, want to learn some more about that, join us in the library after worship today. Are there any other announcements we should make? If not, we'll begin our service with our prelude music. Please stand as you are able 
and face the baptismal font. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, whose steadfast love endures forever. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not followed your path, but have chosen our own way. Instead of putting others before ourselves, we long to take the best seats at the table. When we, by those in need, we have too often passed by on the other side. Set us again on the path of life, save us from ourselves, and free us to love our neighbors. Amen. Hear the good news. God does not deal with us according to our sins, but delights in granting pardon and mercy. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. You are free to love as God loves. Amen. back after a month off too. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also 
Let us pray. O God, judge eternal. You love justice and hate oppression. And you call us to share your zeal for truth. Give us courage to take our stand with all victims of bloodshed and greed. And following your servants and prophets, to look to the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Please be seated. as their ancestors forgot my name for Baal. Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let the one who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat, says the Lord? Is not my word like fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Word of God, word of life, Thanks be to God.
The second reading is from Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land. But when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not persist with those who were disobedient, but because she had received the spies in peace. And what more should I say? For time would tell would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in caves and in holes in the ground. Yet all of these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Word of Lord, word of life. Thanks be to God.
Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 12th chapter. Jesus said, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a, crowd, a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, it is going to rain, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Please be seated. <clears throat> Beloved of God, grace and peace to you from the Holy One. Amen. These words from today's Gospel reading are shocking in many ways, and they're probably not what we expect to hear or want to hear this early in the day. Jesus should have let us have at least one more cup of coffee. <laughs> and after being gone for being busy this past week, I was hoping for something a little easier. Uh, was very tempted to turn to Hebrews, to one of my favorite parts of scriptures, that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. But it felt strange to read this gospel text and not have some comment on it, some way of getting into it and hearing God's good news for us. Jesus says, I came to bring fire to the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. Jesus is going to burn the place down, it sounds like. And then he says, do you think I've come to bring peace to earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Don't we have enough division as it is, Jesus? Jesus sounds exasperated, even angry and urgent. I think most of us prefer Jesus, meek and mild, the good shepherd walking alongside us. But this text is part of our understanding of Jesus too, and here he speaks of fire, division, and rebuke. On the other hand, some people might not be surprised to hear this kind of thing in church. For some, churches preach that God is not for us, but against us, or against at least most people. That God does not love the world, but hates it and will someday destroy it. That some people are in and some are out. That everyone who doesn't say a certain prayer or believe the right list of beliefs are somehow going to burn in this fire. We're not used to that kind of preaching here, but it is fairly common. And I often think it is uh, most people's imagination for what Christianity is. 
I suppose if these words from Jesus were the only words we had from or about him, we might think some of these things. But it doesn't take too long to flip open our Bibles, and I encourage you to do that, uh, to realize that this isn't the only text that we have from Jesus or about him. So we have to take our reading for today and place it in the whole picture of God's mission in Jesus Christ. That God's mission in Jesus Christ is meant to be good news of great joy for all people. That if it doesn't sound like good news, it's probably not the gospel, right? Because that's the meaning of gospel. Gospel means good news. So how do we hear the gospel of Jesus even in a text like today? I want to talk about three of the most shocking parts of this text in light of God's mission, what we know about God's mission from the whole story of the Bible. Those three things that jumped out to me were fire, division, and rebuke. And I do believe, here I stand, I can believe no other, that there is good news even for us, even here, my dear siblings. We might just need to dig in a little bit. Fire, division, rebuke. So first of all, the fiery part of this text. I think many of us begin to picture hellish scenes of unquenchable fire and tiny creatures dancing around with pitchforks. But look at the actual words in the text, the actual words of Jesus, and you'll notice that he doesn't say this. He says, I came to bring fire to the earth. But just a few chapters before this, James and John, his followers, have a similar idea. You see, this Samaritan village has refused to accept Jesus, and so they turn to Jesus and say, hey, we've got a great idea. Why don't we call down fire from heaven and destroy them all and punish this village? But Jesus shuts that down right away, and he rebukes them then. That's not the way he's going to be in the world, apparently. So it seems like Jesus was against fire before he was, before he was for it, if you take this text. And I think the real difference is that James and John want to punish, but Jesus wants to save us through the fire. Fire has the power to destroy, like the fire of an incinerator, but fire also has the power to purify and refine. And this is a frequent theme in our Bible. Metallurgists, for example, will use fire to take an impure metal and refine it into something better. Fire can also clear way for new growth. As destructive as forest fires can be, these fires can also remove low-growing underbrush, clean the forest floor of debris, open the floor up to sunlight, and create nourishment for the soil. These fires reduce competition for nutrients and allow established trees to grow stronger and healthier. There are even some trees, like the jack pine, that have seeds in their pine cones that will only be released if there is a fire. Without it, they lie dormant. I don't want to suggest that Jesus' words here aren't disturbing. I think they are meant to disturb us in a way. But I do want to reframe this fiery language. There is a difference between judgment and punishment, I think. In a, uh, when God comes to judge us, 
and judge us that the, the world is not as it is, I think we can all, in a way, agree with that. We look around and we see war and conflict and disease and strife, suffering. And Jesus comes to say the world is not as it should be. But that does not necessarily imply the punishment that is often preached in too many of our churches. I heard one preacher say that if we want to talk about God's punishment, when God judges us, God chooses to punish us by raining down grace upon us. That God's punishment is to send someone to save us. That if we want to say that God is out to get us, it is not with a lightning bolt, but with the grace that we find in Jesus Christ. Jesus doesn't seem to be talking about punishing the wicked here. Instead, he's talking about the power of fire to transform, to purify. It's power to create the conditions for life to flourish, to set things right. It's power to make all things new. When John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus, he said, I baptize you with water, but one who is coming, one who is more powerful than I is coming, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So when Jesus speaks of bringing fire to earth, maybe we should think less of hell and more of Pentecost. After all, the book of Acts is in many ways a continuation of Luke's gospel, and in the story of Pentecost, Jesus does send fire to the earth, but it's not to consume us, but to empower us, to put us into new communities, to make the message of God's love known. Jesus does bring fire to the earth, but when he does, it will be a transforming fire, like the Holy Spirit on, on Pentecost. Second of all, Jesus disturbs us with talk of division. Our world is so full of division already in our families, in our politics, in our communities, in countries at war. And elsewhere, Jesus preaches about peace and unity among his followers and between, even between strangers and enemies. So why would Jesus preach peace sometimes and division here? As I read it, I hear Jesus speaking descriptively rather than prescriptively. That is, he's not saying that you and I should go out and try to be divisive, that we should seek division, but he is saying that look at what happens. He is saying that if you follow him, it is likely to lead to division. After all, many of his followers would leave their families and livelihoods when they chose to follow him. And now as he approaches the cross, it means that he'll be cut off, divided from so many relationships. And that will be true of those who follow Jesus as well. Take the examples of Stephen, who would be stoned to death by his community for following Jesus. Or take the example of Paul, who went from being the ultimate insider to being thrown in prison over and over again. This past week, our church commemorated Claire of Assisi, who lived out this kind of divisiveness that happens when we follow Jesus. She was a 13th century saint and was uh, converted by the preaching of St. Francis. She was born into a wealthy family, but as she heard Francis talk about Jesus, she decided to change her life completely. She shaved off all of her hair. She gave away all of her rich clothes and put on a simple garment. Claire's family was perhaps understandably a little bit worried about her. So they went to the church to try and bring her back home and say, you'll get over this passing phase. 
They tried to drag her back home, but Claire clung so tightly to the altar that they were unable to do so. Sometimes following Jesus, I don't think Claire sought division, but sometimes following Jesus leads us into a new way of life that makes no sense to the people around us. Sometimes as disciples, we are also more conflict-adverse than we should be, especially in instances of injustice and suffering. Sometimes we go along in order to get along in situations where we simply shouldn't, where we turn our eyes away, where we walk by on the other side of the road. We shouldn't just say peace when there is no peace. It was Dr. King who said, true peace is not the absence of tension, but the presence of justice. So to be peacemakers sometimes involves standing up for what we believe in and standing up for the downtrodden. Third and final of all, Jesus disturbs us with his rebuke of the disciples. Our text ends with him saying, you hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? This may also sound harsh to us, but I think Jesus is trying to wake his followers and us up. To wake us up to the urgency of the moment. That we have perhaps become lackadaisical about following him as closely as we can. Remember that Jesus is on his way to the cross in today's reading. He's been trying to warn his disciples again and again, give them some kind of heads up that this is coming. But no one seems to have the same urgency as Jesus. They think things are going to about, go on about the same. If Jesus sounds exasperated and even angry in today's text, it's probably because he is. For all of chapter 12, Jesus has been teaching, and he's been trying to get people to reorient their lives around a world that is about to change. He's just waving his arms above his head saying, the world is about to change, it's time to change your life in response. Now is the time to change your life. Now is the time to get with the kingdom program. Now is the time to be my followers. And to us, now is the time to be the church. Don't wait. The time is now. When I read this section, I can't help but think of that lyric from Bob Dylan's song, uh, The Subterranean Homesick Blues. You don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. Jesus is telling his disciples and us to be attentive to the times. We don't need a meteorologist to tell us when it's going to rain outside and get indoors. Likewise, we don't need an expert to tell us that our world needs help, that our neighbors are in need, that our world needs saving. There's a war in Ukraine and droughts around the world caused by climate change. There is gun violence, there is sickness. In our own families, there is suffering and uncertainty. In our world, there is poverty and hunger. We don't need Jesus or an expert to tell us all the time that it's time to get with God's program, to get with the program of setting things right, of mending the world, of serving our neighbors. Interpreting the times isn't about predicting the end of time. It's more about getting with the program of God's dream for creation. If you're waiting for a cue, if you're waiting for permission to get serious about discipleship, the time is now. 
If you're waiting for a cue or waiting for permission to change your life, the time is now. If you're waiting for a cue that it's time to love your neighbors, to release your grudges, to visit that sick relative, to share your gifts, the time is now. You don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. So my dear siblings, in a strange way, there is still good news for us in today's message of fire, division, and rebuke. That in God's judgment, it is not that Jesus is saying God is against us or that God sent him to condemn us. He is instead saying that we are going to be transformed, that the world will be set right, that it is time to get with the kingdom program. There is always good news for us when Jesus is present on the scene because in him we know the love of God and in him we know that God is always for us, always on our side and not against us. Amen.
ordinary love. Let us come near to the Holy One in prayer. Arise, O God, and sustain your church. We pray for all those who dedicate their lives to serving your people. Renew our commitment to our siblings in faith around the globe and bless the work of our ecumenical and interfaith partners, especially the World Council of Churches and the Lutheran World Federation. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Arise, O God, and sustain your creation. We pray for all places affected by natural disasters. Transform the devastation of floods and fire into fertile ground for a new life and growth. Fill heaven and earth with your life-giving spirit. Merciful God, hear our Arise, O God, and sustain the nations. We pray for all elected officials. Kindle them in a desire to administer your justice. Strengthen their resolve to defend those who are vulnerable and to stand public, uh, publicly against all forms of oppression. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Arise, O God, and sustain those who are oppressed. We pray for people harmed by racist discrimination, ableist discrimination, and all people discriminated against based on their gender identity or sexual orientation. Rescue us from all systems that degrade our fellow human beings. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Arise, O God, and sustain this assembly. We pray for this community, celebrating with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. In our joy and in our tears, be near us, especially Kristen, Sharon, Jackie, Mary, Leticia, Denia, and those we name now, aloud or silently. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we remember the saints who have gone before us. May we run with perseverance the race set before us until we find our rest in you. Merciful God, receive our prayer. God, we lift special prayers today for the wider church. We pray for our denominational leaders in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, especially presiding Bishop Elizabeth Eaton and our new Vice President Imran Siddiqui. For our Synod Bishop, Joy Mortensen Weeby. And for those uh, from our own community that are serving the wider church, for Nathan Houston as he begins his internship, for Carolyn Schneider as she uh, travels home to Wisconsin, uh, while serving in Jamaica. We ask that you continue to share your gospel throughout the world through your many servants. Merciful God, 
Receive the prayers of your children, merciful God, and hold us forever in your steadfast love. Through Jesus Christ, our holy wisdom. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Please take a moment to share a sign of peace with those around you. Peace with you, Tom. Peace with you, yeah. Peace, Jim. Yeah.
Let us pray. God of abundance, you have set before us a plentiful harvest. As we feast on your goodness, strengthen us to labor in your field and equip us to bear fruit for the good of all. In the name of Jesus, amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We the Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so, with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. God of our silent tears, you have brought us this far along the way. In times of bitterness, you did not abandon us, but guided us into the path of love and light. In every age, you sent prophets to make known your loving will for all humanity. The cry of the poor has become your own cry. Our hunger and thirst for justice is your own desire. In the fullness of time, you sent your chosen servants to preach good news to the afflicted, to break bread with the outcast and despised, and to ransom those in bondage to prejudice and sin. We remember the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Remembering, therefore, his death and resurrection, we await the day when Jesus shall return to free all the earth from the bonds of slavery and death. Come, Lord Jesus, and let the church say, Amen. Amen. Send your Holy Spirit, our advocate, 
to fill the hearts of all who share this bread and cup with courage and wisdom to pursue love and justice in all the world. Come, spirit of freedom, and let the church say, Amen. Amen. Join our prayers and praise with your prophets and martyrs of every age, that rejoicing in the hope of the resurrection, we might live in the freedom and hope of your Son. Through him, with him, in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught his friends to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated while we share some instructions for communion. Communion today, you will go to the side aisles and come forward, where at the front there are these two side tables. You'll grab an empty cup there and bring it with you to the railing. At the railing, you will receive bread, and your cup will be filled with wine. If you need or desire grape juice or gluten-free, those are also at these two side tables. Just grab them when you come by and bring them to the rail. When you've communed at, finished communing at the railing, you'll return down the center aisle and place your empty cup in the bowl by the center aisle. We want all friends, guests, and visitors to know that all are welcome to commune with us today, that this is the Lord's table, not Trinity Lutheran's table, and the invitation comes to you from Christ. We also extend a warm welcome uh, to those joining us online or on the phone and are glad that you are with us today for worship and communion. Receive this invitation. In Christ's presence there is fullness of joy. Come to the banquet.
Please stand as you're able. May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen, keep, and unite us now and forever. Amen.
The God of peace, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you, comfort you, and show you the path of life this day and always. Amen. Just like a little 